You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hadmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today, our topic will be an old rough-and-tumble term called red scalping, S-C-A-L-P-I-N-G. Uh, thus far, most of our conversations have discussed the striking side of things. Today, we're going to talk a little bit of grappling. Strikers, stay with me. You might find this uh, of interest because uh, we're going to kind of make the two worlds of striking and grappling uh, hue a little closer to one another here. Um, the uh, subheading you can call the submission chains versus pain trains uh, from the old school vernacular here, and also explains how we've altered our grappling to a large degree in the Black Box Project. Anyway, let's get into it. And we're going to open with some advice from uh, the Civil War naval hero, which was Admiral David D. Farragut. A quote from him is, The more you hurt the enemy, the less he will hurt you. Uh, by the way, for trivia's sake, um, where I sit here in the Comanchery, I'm not more than four miles away from his uh, homestead here. Anyway, that quote again, the more you hurt the enemy, the less he will hurt you. Now, there's no quarrel there, I wager that. But let us make sure we actually practice what we may have just assented to. Our discussion today will primarily deal with the world of grappling, both old school and new, both vertical and horizontal. But let us use the wisdom from the striking arc to set up our strategic story. All right, now strikers use combinations, right? If you've been in any gym worth anything, you're going to hear punches and bunches, man. It's an expression of strategic and tactical wisdom. Now, the attack that contains, let's say, oh, a jab, a rear corking kick, a spearing rear elbow, a lead cram elbow, a lead chopper, that's made up of five offensive elements. You could easily substitute any five things in a striking combination. Those are the ones I chose, all right? So on a bag, on pads, on partners in the street, it's assumed to be delivered in a one, two, three, four, five, in a slickety split, no pause manner, right? I wager I've said nothing groundbreaking there. I mean, that's how combinations are done. I would also wager we would agree that these same five assaultive elements delivered one at a time in a staggered tempo no longer adheres to the definition of a combination. For example, instead of throwing a jab, cross, lead, hook, if I go bam, 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 if I go bam, and then bam, and then likewise bam, all right? Instead, we have thrown a series of tools in a manner more akin to a pro or full power gambling of a sure thing. We're just kind of like, you know, throwing singles, not a combination, Right. Right. But we all know there are no sure things, hence combinations, punches and bunches. Why? We are gambling that if the first one don't get you, the second one will. If the second don't do it, well, three, four and five are right behind it. At no point in the combination do we feel full fistic bite and halt. That is, we don't find a small bite of the meat on the jab and stop. Or we don't feel good. Neg- uh, we don't park, mark the shin hard with that corking kick and stop. Or we might feel full bone chunk on the spear elbow and stop on that satisfaction. And Bunch's wisdom says we will keep throwing till the toes are up and the deed is done. That is, if we're throwing something that has five points on it, we throw all five points. Even if they've already dropped in our last two or swing it at air, you're throwing all five. You're with me, right? Now, why do we use combinations this way? Well, it is superior offensive strategy, obviously. It is also superior defensive strategy. I'm going to repeat the Admiral's dictum again. Here's the quote. The more you hurt the enemy, the less he will hurt you, unquote. Now, if you stuck with me thus far, I mean, I likely me declaring this. I mean, you're, this sounds just obvious, right? Okay, and you're correct in the estimation. Now, let's go to the world of grappling. 
is when we hit the clinch or on the ground that this hallowed advice we all agree upon seems to get royally defenestrated. I mean, it's just thrown out the window. I mean, we yell punches and bunches in our training, but once the grappling commences, we see a shift towards knockout blows or swing for the fences tactics. That is, our combinations become more about the maneuvering and less about the tactical arsenal. We're willing to take three, four, or more complicated steps to get to the rear naked choke or work on canny crisscross hip shifts for arm bars, treating steps towards an end result as a stand-in for combinations. Are you with me there? Three, four steps to get to the blow you're going to throw. But I ask, and the old timers would ask as well, why do we abandon incessant offensive attack once it gets to the scuffle? Now, of course, I am not devaluing the aggressiveness of the scramble, the rise, flows, pins, setups required to get to the hope for KO blows of grappling, okay? Wrestling maneuverability, if you've done it, and well done right, is physically an assaultive in and of itself. I mean, it grinds you down. And I think we can easily see it still falls a bit short of the same incessant intention to harm that we find in the striking aspect of the game. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, I hear where you're coming from, Mark, but isn't that the wisdom of the submission chain? Aren't these counter for counter change the grapplers correlate for the striker's combination? Yeah, that's a good question, an informed one at that, or a good observation. Submission chains have only a surface correlation to punches and bunches. Submission chains are less a long series of attacks in the Admiral Farragut sense than a causal link of assumed failed chaos. That is, the submission chain operates under the following assumption. If my cobra choke is blocked, I will then transition to a stacked folded wrist lock. If it is blocked, I will set off to a north-south dorsal. If I miss that, uh, I might transition to a knee pin. If, and on and on and on. See, each chain in a submission is an admission that what was attempted prior did not work. And let's be clear, submission chaining is a superior way to work, right? But there's a step further than that. It's still not the same combination strategy of the striker where each and every strike is attended by even if a preceding bite bit hard. In striking, you hit, you keep hitting, you keep hitting. If the first one hit, you don't stop and say, did that do it? Now that brings us to the term red scalping. I mean, immediately the term red scalping only pops up a few times in the old school vernacular, but it stuck with me. The term may be rare, but the strategy of the old days most definitely was not. To red scalp is nothing more than take a wrestling chain and treat it not as a run it till you hit your success link, but hit each submission, hook, rip, or crank with full authority on down the line in true striker's combination fashion. Red scalping in this manner becomes overwhelmingly offensive and kibosh as much grappling defense as if you ripped and blown by often before a semblance of the defense can be implemented. I mean, you're just low, going lickety-split down the line, just ripping and cranking and thinking you might have ripped and snapped things three or four times along the way. Uh, now, we often don't train this way anymore because uh, we're looking out for our partners. I mean, obviously, if, if you if you red scalp full blown there, you're going to snap and be ripped. And before a tap can even come out, they might finally you might finally feel a tap on your on your thigh by the time you've already, you know, snapped three things along the way. See, a double wrist lock chain that has five or more red scalp links on it is meant to be meant uh, to run till its end. I mean, one or more of all these rips is going to shred along the way. To the old schooler, this overwhelming incessancy of attack was the ideal and not, whoops, I guess I'll try this next. That quote again, the more you hurt the enemy, the less he will hurt you. And again, I think that a lot of this gets abandoned along the way because it is definitely devastating to the body. And it's really hard to train that way. But again, that's the aspect of the Black Box Project here. The intent is to take submission chains and turn them to a steaming locomotive that will run the submission track come hell or high water, creating less a chain than a pain train with an end destination of victory and a track of devastation left in its smoke. 
That's uh, the sermon for today, kids. Of, of course, like supports uh, the podcast. Uh, you know the noise and everything to go on there. For more information on the Black Box Project, we'll see the episode on that or have a look at the uh, Black Box Warehouse. Have a good one. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. Mm-hmm.